0: Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. Good to see y'all, kids. You're dismissed. To uh, your classes or parents, you can dismiss your kids rather. Abigail and Miriam are going to go beat them with palm branches and should be awesome. (laughs) Palm Sunday is my favorite Sunday. It's the only Sunday year we hand weapons to all of our children. So cool. It's just, we seriously trust them so much. No, I, I love it. It's good. Love Pastor Glenn. For some reason this week, I had Pastor Glenn's story came up in my mind, and I was like, man, I don't even know if I should share. This is really funny, but I think I'm going to. And, um, but I, I'd been hired, I, or I'd been like on staff here for like a month or a little over a month, and we went to a, a pastor's prayer thing at Camp Buckner. I think that's why I, I thought of it, because I brought up that thing about Buckner to you this week. Um, and, uh, but it was a different year so the first year we were out there this is all there's like 150 pastors or something like that in a room and you know you pray for like a day and a half and it's so it's like pretty structured right in the middle we like had a break and we come back i'm not, the only reason this has nothing to do with the lesson this is just to so you know how funny your senior pastor is but um and uh, but you know everybody comes back and we're like in this it's like a moment of prayer there's people praying it's quiet in the room you know people are i forgot who was praying or whatever anyways one of these pastors who we know walks in He's an older guy, and he walks in, but he's in the he's in the room. And he has his sunglasses on, right? And he's got and he and he, and he just walks in, all non you know. And he and he sits down, and we're we we're, we're spirit filled, so we pray with our eyes open, right? So all Baptist guys are you know down, and we're looking for angels, and and uh, anyway, so we have, and <clears throat> so I'm I'm like really trying to track with the prayers and just like you know. And Glenn leans over to me, and he goes. The spirit of Stevie Wonder just descended on the building, and I—I I like blew whatever was in my mouth through my nose, trying not to, trying not to fall out of my chair. I was like, "This is—I'm—I'm I'm making the scene," and he's just all quiet, like nothing happened. I, I'll never forget that. It was hilarious. So, anyways, come back, Holy Spirit. Did you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter six? I started reading, I'd read portions of this book before, but um, I started reading Why Revival Terries" by Leonard Ravenhill. Has anybody read that, or has anybody read Ravenhill? Raise your hand real high. Yeah, so you guys know you're not saved, right? You've read Ravenhill, right? Yeah. I read like three chapters of the book, and I closed it, went to bed, and went, I'm pretty sure I'm not a believer. Like, it, I mean, in like the best way, so I mean, you're new, you're like, what? No, no. Um, I'm just I just really provoked by reading about past revivals reading about men and women who have gone before us you know we just came off a teaching series about family revival and I'm I'm constantly trying to to fill myself up with um, good information and one of the things that he said let's see if I can say it without crying but <laughs> cuz it was powerful so if you don't know who Leonard Ravenhill was, I mean, just a revivalist. He died in 1994. He was born in 1907. He was originally from England, but he, he uh, moved to the United States in the middle of his life and just powerful evangelist. Just didn't care what anyone thought about him except for God and uh, prayed uh, all the time, fasted all the time. He just lived it. And uh, he said that on his deathbed, people kept coming to him from all around the United States, from all around the world, and they wanted him to lay hands on them because they wanted his mantle, right? Meaning that they they want to be able to to have what he had, to have the effectiveness in life that he had or to carry what he carried. And I, I think he was gracious, and he prayed for many of them. And then he told his son, do you guys know this? He told his son, he said, He told his son, he said, everybody wants my mantle. Does anyone else know this quote that they could say real quick? <laughs> but no one wants my sackcloth and my ashes. So anyways, I went to bed really convicted, but it's true so often we're just so consumer focused. We see the good in people's lives or, you know, some power, even in ministry, see some powerful person like, oh man, I want what they have. I heard somebody say one time, they're like, oh Lord, give me a Heidi Baker anointing. <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want that. She would tell you, you don't want that no idea what we're asking for sometimes. When you sit, Lord, make me more like Jesus, Jesus was brutally murdered for you. Are you ready to be brutally murdered? Lord, make me like John the Baptist. He lived by himself in the desert and ate bugs and was hated, labeled a lunatic and then had his head cut off. All right. Sorry, didn't have anything to do with what we're talking about today, but maybe it did. Hopefully it touched you. Um, all right. going to be in Matthew 6 today, uh, but like I said, we just finished this series on revival, and hopefully you're experiencing personal and marital and family revival, right, with some of those principles. I, I hope it was helpful, um, and uh that we can basically position ourselves and our families and in our church to be re- to be ready for a greater move of God to be released um, on earth as it is in heaven, rather than being part of a cultural problem, we'll be the ones that are actually help ushering in his kingdom. So um, in the end times, you know, one of the reasons why we're talking so much about the end times, talking so much about what we can do to prepare right now for revival and, and things like that. By the way, we're probably going to go over a few minutes today. If you need a snack, just uh, raise your hand and one of the hosts will bring you a snack. So... Um, if you're fasting, you won't even notice. So, um, But uh, part of the reason we've been talking so much about it is not just so we're ready, like with enough food, which you should be, not so we're ready with the right message for the loss, not so you're ready to bring people into your home who, need a, who are going to need a place to stay, but really so that we're not part of those who fall away from the faith. First Timothy 4.1, Matthew 24.10. These two verses in particular, there's others, but these two verses in particular are actually referring to Christians who turn on other Christians and deny Jesus. Deny the other, they deny brother, deny sister, but then they deny Jesus. They fall away from the faith. Uh, this is not so don't, you know, some of you might have a check in your spirit. What about eternal security? There are two different things here. Eternal security, you don't have to walk around wondering if you lose your salvation if you accidentally lash out at your kids, okay? It's, you're definitely secure in your salvation uh, but to think that if you say a prayer when you're five and then you just live a life of debauchery and then walk away from jesus that everything's okay no actually the bible talks about that group of people so you know we need to submit to what the word of god says even though it may make us uncomfortable and really what it should do is drive us to pray and intercede for those who we've seen make some sort of profession of faith but then seen walk away from the church walk away from jesus is this making sense i know i'm talking fast sorry I don't know how to talk slow. So I get bored with myself. <laughs> so anyways, um brother accusing brother, we're gonna see this in the body of Christ. Hopefully not in this body here. Um and uh, you know if you find yourself, you know, the Word talks about this, if you find yourself with an accusation spirit hating, hating a brother or sister in the body, whether they're in this church or just the greater body of Christ or figuring out how you might betray them or, or uh, you know, kind of looking for fault in them, uh, you need to be really careful and quick to repent because you really don't want to be a fulfillment of the prophecy from 1 Timothy and Matthew. You don't want to be... Um, In that group that falls away. So part of our job here as leaders in the body of Christ is to give you biblical and really practical and useful instructions on basically how to navigate different seasons. And the season that we're in right now is one in in an extra way of getting ready for the return of the Lord, getting ready for the end times. Things are going to get rough. And I really believe, I mean, my personal opinion is that we'll experience some reprieve, right? That's my personal experience. And don't, don't hear that and be like, oh, thank God, things will get back to normal. No, that's like the worst thing that you could do. It's like worse. I mean, it's so bad. Don't think like, oh, good, and then take your foot off the gas. That's actually what got us into the situation that we've been in for the last 20 years is that the church took their, and I'm not accusing anybody in the room. I want to take, take 100% responsibility for my part in not bringing in the kingdom when I should have been bringing in the kingdom. I want to take 100% responsibility for every time I said, we don't need to get involved in politics. We're the church. What an idiot I was. Wow. What an idiot. That's actually the reason why we're in the political mess that we're in today is because the church stopped being involved in it. That was our political structure was invented for the church to run. Yeah. The church was established first in, I mean in America is what I'm talking about. And then the government, by the people for the people are we people yes why is our public school system teaching junk to our kids because we didn't get on the school boards and tell them not to you say well that's just that's that's government that's education that's one of the other mountains we're not on that mountain so i want to take hundred percent responsibility for my part in that and, and you know our job as leaders is not just to teach you know not just to teach the Bible meaning in a broad sense, but to really teach how to pray, how to minister to loss, how to love your enemies, how to love your family, how to love yourself, how to vote, right? How, I mean, what do we do? I've had people ask, how do I invest my money? And I'm not, I'm not like a, like a, by the world standards, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to talk a little bit about it today. I can give you a really good biblical answer, but like specifically, like what's st- the, I have no idea, should I pull my this out of that as they're asking? I don't know. But they're looking, people are looking for answers. So, in that assignment, you know, I've, I've, I've taught classes about physically preparing. I feel like I'm pretty good for that. I was taught how to do this. I feel like I'm pretty good at it. I'm kind of an outdoorsman, right? Some of you guys can identify with that. Some of you guys just like me less now that I said that, and that's fine. <laughs> but I kill stuff. I skin stuff. I eat stuff. <laughs> I, I ate venison and eggs twice this week for breakfast. So, And I'm making venison chili this afternoon with your chili recipe. Yeah. And so, I mean, but, so, but it's not just all about, oh, yeah, macho macho kill. That's not it. I'm just saying, like, if you don't have 60 to 90 days worth of non-perishable food in your house, you're behind the curve. And you're probably setting yourself up to be part of a problem rather than to be able to set yourself up to bless not just this house, not just your house and this house, but your neighborhood. Um, so don't hoard. Hoarding is foolish. And, uh, and, and when the next thing happens, which it will, there will be a next thing where the grocery stores are emptied out. You don't want to be the person that filled their car with frozen meals and toilet paper because you look like an idiot. Because, because I'll tell you what, frozen meals and toilet paper aren't going to last very long if your power's out, right? And your water gets turned off and stuff like that. People, when COVID hit and the toilet paper was gone, I was like, toilet paper? <laughs> toilet paper? Is this, is this where we're at in society? <laughs> I'm Seriously, I walked in, the produce section was full and the toilet paper section was, I was like, I know that the largest majority of you toilet paper holders do not grow food in your backyard. (laughs) Yet you neglected the produce to go for the toilet paper. You can't eat toilet paper, but you can wipe with a banana peel. (laughs) Write that down. All right, back on track here. Listen, you can tell I'm a little passionate. It's fine. It's okay. Listen, a fool, thanks Ashton, right on cue. Listen, a fool blows money in panic and a wise person plans, prays, and stores up, okay? Proverbs 6 talks a lot about this too, okay? It's not wrong to store up. You're going to be like, if you store up, you don't have any faith. No, if you store up, you're wise, Okay, it's how, it's the, it's the heart behind it, okay? Okay, so we're going to get into our text here today. I just want to exhort you guys to just grow in a greater love for the Word of God. Uh, that's where we're going. It's been, you know, it's unchanging. It's a foundation. Let's get into it a little bit. It's Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday, they prepared the way for Jesus to enter the city. This is not necessarily a Palm Sunday message, other than the fact that I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how we can get a little bit more prepared, okay? So Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24, I'm going to read it real quick Hopefully, you're there with me. I'm in the NIV, um, NIV 1984, to be specific. Yes, there's a difference. Uh, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust or where moth and vermin destroy and when thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also the eye is the lamp of the body and if your eyes are good your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are bad your whole body will be full of darkness and if then the light within you is darkness how great is that darkness i'll explain that more in a minute no one can serve two masters either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money Okay, and you can't tell because it's all in capital, but in the original text, money or mammon is actually a a name of a false God. It's capitalized. Or Jesus actually identifies the name of a false God as mammon or the worship of money. Okay. All right. So in this passage, we're gonna kind of start over and just go verse by verse a little bit through this, starting in verse 19. It talks about two treasures or basically where are we going to store our treasures? Okay, there's basically two ways, and you'll see in this, and as Jesus explains here, he's actually only talking about really one thing, but he talks about it three different ways, or in three steps, he he basically keeps expounding on the same point to basically draw some pretty harsh lines in the sand, um, some pretty definitive lines in the sand, which I think are important for us to know. Okay, so But directly translated, remember Matthew's writing this to a Jewish audience. He's writing Jesus' words to a Jewish audience to to kind of understand how they would have heard it. Um, This first verse, do not store up for yourself treasures um, on earth. It actually, it's written in the present tense, so we would actually more maybe correctly read it. Stop storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's how they would have heard it. They would have heard Jesus telling them like a present tense, like, hey, stop it. Like, you're doing it now, and the time has come for you to make a, a definitive change. Um, that's important. Sometimes if we read do not, it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just one of those things that's on the list of things that we don't do because we love Jesus. No, this is, it's like a now word all the time. Um, the love of wealth, remember, this is, there's, there's nothing wrong with wealth. It, it's not inherently evil, right? The love of wealth th- from Genesis to Revelation is evil, okay? The love of wealth is basically—it's uh, it's foolish throughout the whole Bible, um, but especially in the last days. Okay, James five two through three. Uh, if we have that one up there, uh, it's a—it's a goodie. But we'll just keep going. It, it'll come up there, I'm sure. It doesn't mean—it um, doesn't mean we don't provide for our family. First Timothy 5.8 says that if you don't provide for your family, you're you're worse than an unbeliever. So. You should probably provide for your family. It's not what it's saying. It doesn't say that you don't uh, store up when you're heading into the future, right? Uh, in wisdom, like we just said, that's Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Uh, it doesn't mean that wealth is evil. I think wealth should be seen as a blessing among God's children. We see that in Scripture. And we're encouraged to enjoy the good things that God has given us, First Timothy 4 three through four, and then again in chapter six talks a lot about that. But this verse means that our hearts need to be positioned for generosity. Okay? Everybody say generosity. generosity. That's where our hearts are positioned, okay? So you can, this, this gets misinterpreted so much where people look and they see wealthy people and they're like, or, or wealth is relative, right? Well, I mean, I am filthy rich. I am filthy rich when I go to certain places uh, in the world. I go, I go to certain places in Texas, I'm, I'm filthy rich. And then I go to other places and I'm dirt poor. Wealth is relative. But sometimes we make a judgment based on our, our observation of what we believe wealth is or isn't. And we'll actually make a judgment about a person's heart on whether, because of whether or not they have money. Hey, they have money, they're probably not even saved. If you were really saved, you'd give all your money away. You know what I say to those People. Do you give all your money away? Because usually they haven't. I'm telling you that I'm telling you that it is a heart posture that this verse is talking about. You can have you can have super poor people that are stingy, and you can have super rich people that are the most generous people in the world. It's where are you storing that wealth? Where are you storing your treasure? When <clears throat> when the word of God talks about When the Word of God talks about these treasures, you need to know what they're saying. And throughout Scripture, there's so many examples. But the ones that he's referring to are are these acts of righteousness, these good deeds that are done in the name of Jesus with a pure heart before him. Forgiveness, loving your neighbor, right? Uh, Suffering. For Christ, tithing, giving offerings, or tithes, offerings, and alms. These are all good things that, that are storing eternal reward. That are basically, they're basically letting not just ourselves and the world and the Lord also know where we are storing our treasure. If I, I, could, I could store a lot of stuff here on earth and think that, and some of the stuff I'm going to get an immediate reward for. Some, I mean, there's temporary, there's temporary pleasures, that's what the Word of God says, momentary things, that we can really go- experience good things here. And if they're not all bad, right? If I go on a vacation, that's not bad, it's good, right? As long as the Lord's behind it, right? I want to get myself a new pair of shoes, that's fine, as long as the Lord's behind it. But If you realize that you're spending all your money on clothes and shoes and vacations... And cars, and 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 then you're not really tithing, and then you're not giving to the poor, and then you're not. You know what I mean? You see how that shifts? Where you're like, oh, I'm doing all these good things. I'm like, yeah, but you, you guys see where it is? You see what you where where your heart is? Where the, what this says here? Where your treasure is? There your heart will be also. Well, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Okay, so if we want to know, uh, I had a pastor, I mean, some of y'all don't even have checkbooks anymore, I do because I'm old school, but, but you know, our, the pastors used to say, like, if you want to know where your heart is, look at your check register, right? Young people are like, what's a check register? Um, look at your Venmo history, <laughs> right? And you look at your Venmo history and your Cash App history, and, and, and then, and where you see where are you spending the majority of your money, where, that, I'm talking now just about that, just about the money part of treasure, but that'll tell us a lot about where our heart is. If we need a self-check, like, well, what is important to me? And you look through your register, and you're just like, tithe, 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 every month after month or week after week, however you all do it, tithe, tithe, tithe. And then you're like, hey, this person's car broke down. I helped them. Hey, this person needed uh, food. Hey, this person had a baby, so I did. And you're like, you're like wow, Lord, thank you. I think I'm storing up some eternal stuff here. But you look through your register, and it's like, tithe. And then like six months later, it's like, a little offering, and then in between there is just like me, 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 me. You understand the difference, okay? Beating a dead horse here. You got it. All right. We can sow into earthly treasure, but the first part of this verse really exhorts us to store up treasure in heaven that can never be destroyed. The second part of this verse, verse 22 here, verse 22, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? All right? So this doesn't make sense, right? Right, Nate. We don't get it. So I'm going to explain it to you. And if it makes sense, it's a moot point for me to explain it. But uh, I need somebody. Uh, Marissa, sorry, you're close. Um, And Kaylee's instructed me not to use her as an example. So (laughs) Um, anyways, do me a favor with your eyes open and just sort of, just sort of, a lightly jaunt jog just across the stage and back. Yeah, just, just, just a light jaunt. Yep, that's it. That's it. When you get down there and then turn around and come back. And then turn around and come back. Yep, you're doing it. You know she can see where she's going, right? Okay, now here's what I want you to do. Shut your eyes. Shut them. Keep them closed the whole time, okay? All right, keep them closed. Here we go. Yep, keep them closed. All right, all right, here we go. Now, I just want you to take that same light jaunt as hard as you can, but just a full sprint, just a dead sprint. Keep your eyes closed, dead sprint. Okay, thank you. You did your job. Sit down. Thank you. Listen, here's what it's saying. Here's what it's saying. I, the eye, I, the Jewish audience would have understood that in the same way that we would say the heart, okay? Okay, so listen. What Jesus is saying is when we have our eyes open and we can see, that's good we can see, we can guard what comes in, and what comes in is gonna affect what's inside. Okay, the eyes are a gate, just like the ears are a gate, and it's going to affect what comes inside. Now, if we have our eyes open, and we let a whole bunch of stuff inside that shouldn't be there, whether it's something you're watching on TV, something you're reading, somebody you're hanging out with, something you're entertaining, okay? Now, because this this word eye is not specific just to what you see, it can mean what you hear also. Remember, we have to understand how the Jewish audience would have heard it, okay? So basically, what you're involved in, what you're spending your time focusing on, okay? So if you're spending your time focusing on all this stuff that's trash, or even stuff that's just not Jesus, everybody, everybody hear that? Just because it's not overtly evil doesn't mean it's Jesus. Something that's not wrong is not automatically right. Does that make sense? Okay, okay. So if I'm filling myself with that, what I've actually done is I've shut my I've, I've made it to where I'm actually not able to see, but I think I can see. That's what this verse says. I've actually there's a lamp inside, but it says when that actually when inside actually turns into darkness, but you think it's light. It's like, look out. That's the if Marissa would have been like, I got this and taken off at a dead sprint, she would have just fallen over the chairs, it would have been hilarious. But <laughs> I love you and I'm sorry. But you guys get the idea. If you're deceived into thinking that the light inside of you is actually light when it's darkness because of what's been let in through the eyes or through the ears, we put ourselves in a really tough place. So Jesus is just taking this a step further, and he's actually talking about two different visions, where we set our focus, okay? So uh, Jesus takes this storing up context from the first part of this verse, we store up our treasures in heaven, he takes it a little further, and he says, says basically, don't store up for yourself treasures in heaven and on earth, right? Because we could be like, well, I have some treasures on earth, and and then I am storing up some in heaven, and I'm doing it. And he's basically like, no, actually, if you have di- this divided focus, you're gonna be letting in things that you think are okay. And then you're gonna think that you have this burning light inside of you that's gonna guide you the right way when actually it's corrupted. Okay? So he says, so he says, you need to have singular focus of vision. And what he's and the bigger narrative here is this is Jesus talking, he's saying, on me. Okay? So, don't have one foot in and one foot out, as he's talking about in the vision. Now he goes on to make the third point here. And this is, when he's talking about masters, um, this is how he sort of wraps it up and where he draws the line. Okay, let's read it real quick. Verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. I'm going to stop right there. This is not talking about employment, employers. Okay? How many of you have a job where you have an employer? Okay. Okay not that. He's talking about slave owners, okay? A master meaning a slave owner. Okay, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that I can work for two employers easily, and there's no, like, separation of of loyalty or, or, you know, values or anything like that. I can have two jobs, and it's no big deal, and people had two jobs when this was written. It's fine, but you can't have two masters. Legally, just talking about in slavery, remember how they would have heard this, right? You can't have it. There's a theologian, his last name's Tasker. He, he defines the essence of slavery as being full-time service and single ownership. Wow. That's important because if you're a slave and you're, and you're owned by a master and you start going to work for or showing allegiance to another slave owner or another master, you have actually set yourself up for severe punishment. You're in, you're in uh, utter disobedience to basically the the legal contract that exists with you and your master. You cannot serve two masters, and that's that's the tone of this verse. No one can have two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other, meaning there is no like, no, it's okay, I I can do both. Look at all this good that I'm doing at church. It's great. And then, and then you have this other area of your life where you're like, yeah, but look at all the good that I'm doing over here. He said, Jesus himself is actually saying, that isn't possible. Now you're going to ask yourself the question, hopefully, but it happens, right? Because it does. And it, he goes on to say, uh, kind of give an answer to that here in just a second. But he says, he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve Both God and money or mammon. Uh, Either God is served with this single-focused devotion. This is what he's saying. Or he's not served at all. If we attempt to divide our worship or loyalty to God, it's idolatry. That's why he names the name of money or mammon as a false god. Saying, you cannot worship me. Does is Jesus talking. You cannot worship me and this God of wealth. He said, you can't do it. You're either going to, so he's saying either you're not doing that and you're loving me and, and despising false gods, or you are embracing a false God and hating me. Wow. That's what he's saying. Wow. He basically says, we have to draw a line here. He's, he's, Blowing up the Christian idea of weak Christianity, or or maybe even partial discipleship, like well, yeah, we're you know we're we're kind of there. We're kind this happens, but and it's okay that it happens when the person is in this process, right? When someone's when someone's growing, right? When I'm discipling somebody, right? And they're like and they're like, yeah, man, I'm just having a really hard time. I'm still doing drugs, but I'm doing them a lot less. And I'm just, well, I'm I'm not going like, hey, that's okay. That's okay, because that's stupid. I'm, I'm calling them higher. I'm loving them and I'm embracing them and I'm having compassion for them because that's what Jesus did. But at the same time, I'm like, let's get you deliverance and let's call you higher. And, and but I'm not going, hey man, that's one foot in and one foot out. You're you're a devil worshiper. Right? You understand the difference. But you get somebody, you get somebody who is identifying as this seasoned believer. There's a trigger word. As a as a seasoned believer. <laughs> oh God, help me. <laughs> Somebody who says that they are a seasoned believer, I love Jesus, I'm following Jesus, but then the fruit of their life actually says that they have this divided focus or this, this uh, partial devotion where there's this other God, and it can be other, any other God. This, this is specific to the God of money or God of mammon, but really any other God is an idol, right? It's a good song. They cannot see and cannot hear. I know, now you do want me to sing it. I know you do, but I'm not going to. So he's driving. A, <laughs> hey, I'm talking. Listen up. <laughs> so, I know, I shouldn't have started it. Um, so here's, here's the point, and this is the point I want to make. The Sermon on the Mount, you know, what we're, that's why, where this is taken from. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus came to undo pretty much the way of thinking in the, in the Jewish life. This was a really hard pill for them to swallow but I think it's still a hard pill for the church to swallow, okay? And I, don't, and I never preach correction words, meaning where I like see somebody and I'm like, I bet I'm gonna preach a sermon and they're gonna be in the room and I'm gonna, no, I did that early on, not here, <laughs> early, early on, in California, God bless them, and, uh, and it's wrong. The Lord, I, I used to do that. I'd see somebody in the room, and I'd slip something into the sermon that I knew that they needed a correction on, and that was my way of, of basically bringing a not like single them out, like hey, Thomas. No, I didn't do that. But the Holy or the Lord came to me, and He goes, "You know what, Nate? You're not the Holy Spirit." And I was like, "I know," and I repented. But I'm just telling you that I don't want the devil to be able to come in and 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 lie to you right now and be like. You're like, well, he's he just uh, he just that. No, this is the word from the Lord. Plus, it's right in the Bible. I mean, you can't argue when you just preach Scripture. That's why it's so easy. But uh, but I just want to encourage you guys to just t- actually worship team come up. I just want to encourage you guys stay and fo- uh, tuned in here for a couple more minutes. Do some. I I I did this a little bit even last night, but do some inward looking. <laughs> some introspective thinking about if we have divided focus somewhere, if we have divided worship, because how big of a deception, I mean, how easy a deception for the enemy to bring in where we think that we have this bright lamp burning inside of us. We think that we, we're in this really healthy place. But we actually are, are worshiping an idol a little bit over here, which there's no such thing as like tiny idol worship. It's just idol worship. There's no such thing as one foot in, one foot out. You're just both feet out. You know what I mean? It's, it's divided focus. It weakens us. It weakens the body. And it's disrespectful to the Almighty, the one who died to save us. I'm guilty of this, guys. I'm, I'm not, don't, don't let the devil come in and go, shame, shame, shame. There's an invitation. Jesus was giving an invitation saying, step out of idol worship because single-focused devotion to me is so much better. Because single-focused devotion to me is where it's going to lead you to store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and where, and where you're going to reap eternal reward. And you know, what's, you know what's great about storing for yourself treasures in heaven? There is eternal reward. Everybody knows that, right? But there's also many times temporal reward. Some of us are afraid of going all in for for the storing up the treasures in heaven idea because we're like, well, that's then, but what about now? We need to have a vision of eternity that we live with. We have to walk with the weight of eternity. That's the first thing, is to realize, man, our life here is like this on the timeline. It's like a speck, it's a breath, it's a vapor. Okay? That's what the word says, but eternity is eternity. But even so, God is so good that he's actually allowed us to step into the benefits of these things now. We get to step into the benefit of sonship. We get to step into the benefit of everything provided for and paid for on Calvary. We also get to step into the benefit of storing up treasures that are eternal. Now, not all of them are gonna have you know, ooey-gooey, rainbow and puppy feelings with them. Like getting persecuted for Christ. You, like, you're not gonna be like, yeah, it's awesome. It's right? I feel so good. <laughs> right? And that's fine. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to suck. Read Ravenhill. Okay? It's supposed to be horrible. But there are so many cool things that the Lord has actually allowed us to step into now that will have cool rewards now that also have eternal rewards. So don't think that you're missing out. Would you stand this morning? I want to give everybody a chance to respond. But bigger than any of this, remember, this is kind of micro, so I want you to remember macro. We're going into, you know, we're in, but heading into just times that are really perilous. And something happened in my house yesterday. Just ridiculous. Not in our house, but like out in front of my house. Horrible. The stuff that we have to live around, the stuff that our kids see, it's horrible. Not all horrible. There's a lot of good stuff, like everything that happened here this morning. I'm just so encouraged to see all here. So good. But there's some things that we can take with us in preparation into the days ahead. And there's some physical preparation that we can do, and that's smart. And if you want to talk more about that, I'm happy to talk to you about whatever I can. There's some better sources than me out there. And um but really, I, I want to encourage you guys on a couple points as we close. One, take, a t- take, take some time just here as the worship team is playing and just ask the Lord if you've had divided focus or divided worship. Okay? There's two places to store treasure, two places to set your vision, and two masters to serve. And just ask him if there's any area of your life where you've been serving the wrong one, focusing on the wrong one, or storing up in the wrong place. Okay? And just ask. And then when the, because he's not going to come with a palm branch and beat you over the head. That's not his heart. That's your kid that's doing that. that but, he, but he will come with a gentle hand around you and say, yeah, you, this is out of line. Let's bring it back in line. And then it's your, your opportunity to act in humility and to repent and then to step into right alignment with him. But the last thing I want to leave you with is that going into these days that we're going into, you cannot do it without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it. I cannot do it unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If you're here this morning and you want prayer, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, you, and whether you haven't or you need a fresh touch, I want to invite you to come forward this morning to receive prayer for that. If you want, if, if you want to, if you desire to pray in tongues, to have a prayer language, I want you to come forward and we'll pray for you. But you come up expectant, hungry. And in obedience to Christ as he said eagerly desire and he said he is more than willing to, to give when we ask. So we repent and we ask, we desire and then we obey. Let's pray. You can start coming forward now if you want prayer and if you want prayer for anything else and our uh, prayer teams if they could come forward as well. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this sermon that you preached so long ago where God we can you preached it, and you didn't stop and expound. We're stopping and taking 45 minutes on four verses. Lord, how much rich truth, life-changing truth there is in your word. God, I pray, Lord, as that we, we enter in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. Lord, that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, keep us tender and alert to your words, but you would teach us what we need for each day. you give us today our daily bread. Give us tomorrow's bread today. Father, that you wouldn't lead us into unnecessary, harsh testing, but Lord, that you would deliver us from the evil one. And Lord, that you would teach us to be quick to forgive as you were so quick to forgive us. Father, that we would love like you love. And Father, even right now, that you would send power. God, it's not good enough to be like, oh, that was funny or that was cool or that, Father, if it doesn't come with power and anointing, I don't even want to be a part of it. Send your power right now, Lord, and baptize in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.